Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, October 7th. This is episode 72. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And we have a guest host with us once again. This time, though, an industry veteran. You may know him as the mastermind behind the rules and programming of Highway Pinball's Alien Pinball. And he is now in the software side for American Pinball. So, welcome to the show, Joe Schober. Welcome. Hey, guys. Hey, hey guys, thanks. thanks a lot for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah, we've been talking about doing this for quite a while, and summer's now finally passed. The leaves are, well, out here, they're still quite green and hot, but... And, yeah, it was like 90 a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah we, we have 80-something uh, today. It's, uh, you know, it's gorgeous. I still love this time of year, so it's awesome. Well, before we actually have you introduce what's been going on with you and American Pinball, because that can be its own sort of discussion topic in a way, we'll go ahead and get our intros out of the way. So, Tony, last two weeks, what's been going on? People want to hear from you. I've been playing games and working, just like always. No, in all actuality, we we did halfway, we actually had a test stream uh, that I joined you on at Solid State Pinball on Friday night. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that I felt went really well, all in all. And we had a tournament at 403 Club last night, which I think that's all that needs to be said about that because it went so poorly for me. <laughs> I didn't really do any better. Uh, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> it was bad. It was real bad. And um, otherwise, it's been pretty normal. Uh, I finally got back into playing. Uh, I started playing Diablo 3 again. Oh, okay. Because they had started a new season and they had a new class type that they introduced last year that I <clears throat> never played. So, mm. but otherwise, it's just been my normal thing and work stuff. Getting ready for snowplow time. It's almost snowplow time, supposedly. I don't know. No, I but- haven't seen heavy snow around here for the last three years. I know, but I still have to go on the the on call schedule to plow snow, which means I have to go do my snowplow training okay. to make sure well, I haven't forgotten I- how to drive a truck. Yeah, I- I'm glad you'll remember because dri- <laughs> driving's critical. My mailbox thanks you. Because I've lost, I've lost two of them already, but not to plows. Yeah, to drunks, but not. So to the, plows. The, the, that's that's <clears> the nice <throat> thing is they plow. Say, well, if you hit a mailbox, just call on the radio and let us know the address that you destroyed the mailbox at. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like going to happen. It's like a fifteen minute. It's, it's unavoidable. Thing, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you've hit most of the things I've been doing as well. The test stream, the four hundred three. Uh, only item, I guess, I'll I'll go ahead and plug here, and I'll have a link in the show notes if anyone possibly cares. Is uh, Zach had me on to guest host episode seventeen of the This Week in Pinball podcast. It was Again. a disaster. He wanted a <laughs> one hour debate about the Hobbit, so I accommodated as best I could. But anyway, so if people care, it was it, 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 it was very humorous. Market trends is still in the show, so the mm-hmm. show sucks. That's yeah. the moral. And, and and unfortunately for you, Zach got the best line in the entire argument about the Hobbit. Mm. So did he? Yeah, he did. I don't think so. I do. Okay, <laughs> you may be right then, because I'm biased. <laughs> he had the funniest line in the entire discussion oh, about. Tell. Oh, he probably didn't. Listen to it, so that's okay. You can say say what you want. Okay, so, Joe, those were our intros, but here you are. We're just outsiders sniping from the borders of this hobby, (laughs) and here you are in the thick of it, and in the thick of it for a few years. So, I guess, I don't know where I want to have you start with your intro. It's your intro, so I guess you can choose, but, I mean, I I knew about you from Alien Pinball, which, as I've, I've said on the show before, I'm not a fan of the layout of Alien, but I did like what you did with the rules, Thank you. And it's, 
I kind of, this is, you probably don't like this comparison, but you're going to be stuck with it because that's the one I'm going to use. That is, you're <laughs> like the anti-Elwin on the code approach after I experienced Iron Maiden, where with Elwin, everything always advances something. But what you, what I liked that you did with Alien is when you went into a mode, there were shots you weren't supposed to make and they were clearly articulated. And it's like, no, you can't just flay around and do what you want. Right. Here's what you're supposed to hit, and here's what you're not supposed to hit. And mm-hmm. if you hit what you're not supposed to hit, bad things happen. Yeah. Consequences. Consequences are a good thing. It's like life is a metaphor for life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, and with Alien, actually, there was a, a distinct philosophy behind the two movies. So you had Alien and Aliens. Uh, Alien being kind of more of the psycho-thriller movie, if you will, versus Aliens, which was the more military shoot 'em up uh, movie. And so I tried to keep that philosophy in the rule design there. So with Alien, it was more thoughtful. I mean, all, all the modes on the Alien side of things, you won't find, you know, every shot on the play field lit up. You have more, you know, precision shooting and you have more of the consequences like you like you just mentioned where certain shots actually you know harmed your progress uh but if you compare that with the aliens modes uh those tended to be more spray and pray where everything was lit less value per shot um but you know you could more spray and pray that was just kind of the you know the blind, uh, you know, Marine just, you know, pull out the gun and fire and hope something good happens. It's that philosophy, uh, you know, in the game. So I, I, I tried to actually use that as an active game philosophy. And they gave more value when players were choosing which movie they wanted to play, which you, you chose at the start of the game. Uh, you know, if you felt like you're a good sharpshooter, you could choose to play Alien, get the more uh, precision shooting and more points per shot. And if that wasn't uh, up your alley, you just wanted everything to be lit, you choose aliens, it's fewer points per shot, but, uh, you know, pretty much everything's lit and there was less opportunity to hurt yourself. So, yeah, that, that was part of uh, the whole idea of letting the player choose their path. Okay. Uh, important side note, which is the better film, Joe? Alien or Aliens? Uh, I'm going to have to stick with Alien. It's the original. Yeah, it's, 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 we've got everyone into that universe. Um, and I really appreciated kind of the, you know, like you said, the kind of the psycho thriller element of it. It's not just shooting in blood and guts. We've seen that a million times. It's, it's more thoughtful. It's more spooky. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm always kind of a fan of, of, uh, you know, the movie that defines the universe. Okay. You were so close to the right answer, but Alien 3. <laughs> Alien 3. The answer was Alien 3. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, Alien 3 is better than Alien versus Predator 2. Fair oh. enough. <laughs> but is it better than Alien Resurrection? No, it is not. Yeah. Alien no. Resurrection has, uh, what's his name? Hellboy. I'm blanking. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. There we Ron go. Perlman, Ron Perlman yeah. carries that film. Well, and then if you're going to go there, where do you put Prometheus in the, the, uh, the list? Oh my God. Police uh, questions are supposed to be answered and Prometheus <laughs> answered nothing. I still put it above three. I, uh, I, yes. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, it would have been better with Ron Perlman. Th- three is all right. All right. It would. Okay. Yeah. Prometheus is a better assembled movie. Yeah. But there are some glaring character behavior flaws in Prometheus that do not exist in Alien Three, and that's what bothers me about Prometheus. Biologist who's afraid of biology. The the geologist map cartographer who gets lost. 
even though he has a map. Those, no, right, we're, we're going, we're going down a path, a dark path of which there is no return. So, Next time on the eclectic pop, pop culture yes, podcast. We, we've warned people before that we do like to talk about movies, but a few tangents. Uh, yeah. It, it happens. It happens around here. So speaking of tangents, your life then took a tangent and you were brought on to American pinball. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, no, it was, so it was very interesting. As, as you know, as you just said, uh, Alien was the first game I coded and, um, when Highway Pinball sort of officially folded, uh, I was shocked and honored, I guess, that within a few days I'd been contacted by several, uh, pinball companies. Asking oh. if I was interested in doing software work for them, uh, which, which I mean is an honor. You know, I am not a, uh, a lineman or a kefer who has, you know, 20 years of, uh, you know, super high, uh, regarded, you know, games under my belt. I'm, I'm just this guy who's done one game. So the fact that all these companies reached out to me and said, Hey, uh, you know, would you be interested in working with us? For me, it was just an incredible honor because that, means despite the uh the chaos and and uh, swirl around alien and the business um people must have seen the game and seen the code and liked it you know that makes me feel good uh and you know i really appreciated that so yeah i talked to uh, a few different companies and long story short um, ended up with uh, American Pinball. They have uh, a good team out there in the Chicago area. Uh, nice guys, a good factory. Um, I got the 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 full tour as part of uh, the interview process. Um, so yeah, uh, joined up with them uh, for the game, which uh, everyone now knows is Oktoberfest. Um, I was actually there uh, as part of the kickoff meeting uh, when when the the play field was unveiled and uh, everyone kind of got their their marching orders for for what to do to to make the game happen. So I've been in this one pretty early in the process. Um, had the opportunity in conjunction with Josh Kugler there at, at American to define all the rules of the game. Uh, even got to the point of, you know, we were, we were defining most of the inserts, uh, you know, the lights in the game, what they actually were, which is, you know, it's just kind of cool with, with alien, um, the play field was pretty much done when I joined the team. So I was working within the framework, uh, that was handed to me. Uh, but with Oktoberfest, I've had more opportunity here to, to be involved, uh, earlier in the process, which has been really exciting and fun. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty excited. The layout is really interesting. It's really distinct. Uh, if you know Joe Balser games at all, uh, you know, it's hard to say he has any signature style from, from one game to the next. The play fields are all radically different, uh, and unique. And, uh, you know, I think that's certainly the case with Oktoberfest. Um, you know, people are going to be seeing just elements that they haven't seen before. Um, and on the rule side, rule set side of things, um, I think we're, it's fair to say we're trying to take it in places people aren't expecting. Uh, if you read some of the online forums about what people are expecting from Oktoberfest, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of limited. It's like, oh, it's just going to be, you know, chugging beer constantly or, or something like that. And, uh, 
that's not the direction we're going. We're definitely embracing everything that is Oktoberfest. You know, it's, it's really a festival, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fall festival. That's what Oktoberfest essentially is. So, um, there's lots of elements to any huge festival and we're, we're trying to incorporate them all in the game and hopefully people love what we've done with it. Okay. Well, firstly, I want to say I, I'm glad to hear that the design is, is radically different. I actually, uh, once upon a time wrote a designer guide for this week in pinball. And I said, Joel Valser is eclectic and he does not have a defined style for layout. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I would look very yeah. stupid if that was not the case. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I actually <laughs> saw that guide. That was an interesting, uh, guide he wrote. It was, it was, I think, very correct. Yeah, there are a few things on retrospect. Of course, I started getting the feedback afterwards because it's hard to assume <laughs> something, something so large. Like, where, what about the center posts on the Kirk games? That was my favorite because it's like, that's a good point. I yeah. should have mentioned that. Yeah. I should have mentioned that. Uh, so, um, okay. So you're going to include, it's not just going to be beer. There's going to be leader hosing in beer. it too. We're going to be <laughs> absolutely, we're going to be squared away and uh, polka music. Probably is and it polka music that's associated. I don't know. I, don't I really know. don't know anything about Oktoberfest. Other than it's a festival. Uh, music. Well, it's associated with music. You know, people think, I think, polka is well known, but uh, certainly at the festival, it's all sorts of music. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Don't, so, don't get yourself boxed in. Yeah, we, all right. All right. No, no, if you don't want to get yourself boxed in. Stay out of the polka box. Well, there's, there's certain people who I, I can imagine would literally not want to own or buy the game uh, or play the game if it was just polka music nonstop. I can un- I can understand that. that. I mean, I like yeah. polka music in moderation. I do it's too. Like most things in moderation is pretty good, but but after sure. after a while, it's like I, I need something else now. Thank you, please. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I think everyone does. And if and if you go to Oktoberfest, it is not just wall to wall polka music. So in terms of the of the software coding on Oktoberfest, are you and Josh pretty much splitting the workload fairly equitably? I wasn't sure, uh, based off of when you came on board, if he was sort of taking lead on it and you were handling certain aspects of the programming or if it was a, sort of a balanced, like he's doing half of it and you're doing half of it. Um, so actually, when I joined the team, which was uh, back in uh, late Late May, early June. I don't remember the exact date. Call it start of June just for the sake of discussion. Uh, he was still, uh, Josh was still uh, involved in kind of getting Houdini wrapped up. He had a couple right. of major updates. You know, he wanted to get out the door and such. So the first, uh, I don't know, couple months and, uh, you know, don't know the exact dates here, but, but basically the first couple months, I was pretty much solo on the actual coding of Oktoberfest. So I was doing all the work myself. Uh, we, we're communicating uh, regularly, pretty much on a daily basis, um, to agree on you know the details of the rules. Uh, so basically, the way I uh, do uh, game design, and I'll even say code design. This is this is how I've done my whole career. Is uh, I kind of need a roadmap. If I don't have a roadmap, I am you know just wandering aimlessly, and that's not good for anything. Uh, so essentially, the first thing I did was wrote the entire rulebook. Um, to, you know, a, a absolutely nitpicky level of detail. Um, and so that's, uh, so if you don't know, I'm a, I'm a remote, uh, worker for American Pinball there in the Chicago area and I'm outside of Washington, DC. Uh, so, you know, don't have the advantage of, you know, just going in the office and, and talking over the, the water cooler. Um, so 
like the, the, the rule book that I wrote was done, uh, via Google docs. You know, so, uh, you know, Josh could be monitoring or anyone in the company could be monitoring, um, you know, down to the character if they want, uh, as I was working on the document. Uh, but yeah, I, I wrote up a, uh, a rule book for the game, uh, that, you know, absolute nitpicky detail. And that's my personal guidebook. You know, if I need to know what to do next, uh, I, I go to the rule book. I have all sorts of fancy color coding for what's been proposed, what's been rejected, what's been completed, et cetera. And all gets nicely, uh, 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 rainbow colored that way. Hmm. Um, and you know, I, I follow the, I follow the, the guidebook of, of what we're going to be doing. And so in that sense, I wrote all the rules and, uh, started, started coding them. And then as, uh, Josh became available from, uh, from his Houdini work, uh, he's joined the fray now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly now working in, in, uh, close conjunction, He's, he's, he's dedicated to Oktoberfest at this point, as am I. And, uh, we're, we're pounding through it to, to make an awesome game. Excellent. Well, before we move into pinball news, I guess this will be, if there's anything else you wanted to say on Oktoberfest, if you want to leak the next five games from American pinball, we're all ears. <laughs> I feel no obligation. We would never ask such things. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll skip that for now, but uh, maybe I'll come back on the show, uh, later and talk about the next games. No, uh, no, we're, uh, I think, all pretty excited about it. Uh, just yesterday, I got a FaceTime video call from uh, Josh while he was walking around the factory. And, of course, that was yesterday was a Saturday, so it tells you those guys are busy over there. Um, when he was walking around the factory showing me all the the, the pieces of the games and all the, the games uh, under construction and all, and it was it was you know really exciting to see everything coming together. So um, I think it's fun. It's it's uh, it's just a fun game. It's a fun and joyful game, and uh, I, I certainly hope everyone when they when they see it in the the coming weeks, uh, you know, feel the same way about it. But uh, you know, I would tell everyone. Don't worry about your preconceptions of Oktoberfest. It's it's definitely an Oktoberfest game. It probably won't meet anyone's exact preconception, but I think everyone uh, should have a lot of fun with it. All right. Excellent. Well, now let's move on to some new conceptions, pre or otherwise, and that would be <laughs> the pinball news. And we're going to start with Monster Bash Remake. Yes, we all know <laughs> what Monster Bash is. A-list Williams title, George Gomez design, da-da-da-da-da. All right. <laughs> So there was a leak uh, of the large DMD display and the topper. And then since then, Chicago Gaming Company has officially released photos of the LE topper, which I know I put in the note, we uh, little notes we share with. So Tony was able to see and you know, got three of the band members and, you know, well lit and all of that. So, uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on a Monster Bash remake? Uh, do you it, like Monster you know Bash? Uh, love Monster Bash. It's a great game. It's a great layout. Um, and, and you know, it's another one of those actually that I think it's just a really fun game. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, the humor in the game is fantastic. Um, just, just every little detail in it. I think they did a great job of making it fun. It's all supposed to be fun. And, uh, you know, certainly that time of Williams, uh, and almost that series of games, if you will, Attack from Mars and, and Medieval Madness and, and Monster Bash, they're fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
you know, I have no idea what the actual sales have been for the, the remake so far, but I expect, given what I've seen of Monster Bash prices, that this should do well. Uh, you know, I saw that topper too. One thing uh, I have not heard, I haven't been um, aggressively following up on rumors, is the topper animated in any way, or is it just flat plastics that light up? If, if it was animated, that would be freaking awesome. You know, if you're playing, uh, you know, one of the monster modes, if it's little topper monster, you know, starts playing its instrument and dancing around, that would be freaking amazing. Yeah, I don't, I haven't, uh, I haven't been following any of the threads discussing what's going on with Monster Bash. So I only saw this because it was showing up on Facebook. Sure. And my guess is based off of what they did with the attack from Mars Topper is yes, I expect some aspect of it to be animated. Yeah. Like right. one of the things I've wondered about is it seems like there's that, like, the green shot in the back is the moon. Does the Wolfman rise up, for example? Cause you don't see mm-hmm. him in these shots. But right. He's a, he's a core member of the band. You know, mm-hmm. something like that I could see. And then, yeah, the idea of the, of the band members, uh, jiggling around when you maybe make their shot or once you've earned them, that would right. be pretty right. cool. Like, so, like, yeah. like the saucers on or the attack from Mars Topper with all of its motion and this and that. And I've liked what they've turned out with the LE of, uh, the attack from Mars LE. Everything about that I love. It's mm-hmm. very well done. And we've yeah. had remakes. We've had both of their other remakes on location in the area here in Kansas City. Yeah. So, and they've gone over very well. Fans of the originals seem to enjoy the remakes just fine. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll now, have to see. Now, the, the other rumor that I've heard, and I have no idea if it's true or not, is that uh, there's some way in uh, in Monster Bash remake to have an alternate rule set. So I don't know what that would entail. I, I personally think, uh, you know, I like Monster Bash's rule set, uh, you know, as, as Lyman coded it at, at Williams. Um, but, you know, if it's actually a true rumor, I'd be curious to know, you know what they thought needed changing. What kind of enhancements are they actually doing? Yeah, I was, I heard that as well. And I'm, I'm surprised also this, you know, if they remade Theater of Magic or something, I could see the idea. Cactus Canyon. Sure. Well, Cactus Canyon would be an obvious one because it's clearly incomplete. It's right. incomplete. Yeah. But I name I name Theater because it's got a it's got a terrible exploit when it comes to tournament play. Monster Bash is a reasonable tournament game. It doesn't really need to be reworked. It feels complete. Right. You, you could argue it's an easy game to finish, but. Lots of games from the 90s were quote unquote easy. Scared Stiff's easy to get to the wizard mode. It sure. doesn't make it a bad game. Well, it's one just, of the wizard modes. <laughs> yeah, so one, one of the yeah, ones. Yeah, monster so, multi-ball, not spider right. multi-ball. That's tough. No, 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 no. We, we have to have some limit. <laughs> there has yeah, to be something for the good players. But yeah, okay. So yeah, it's interesting. So we're, I, I'm glad that we're just finally seeing things come out because Tony and I went to Texas Pinball Festival back in March and we thought we were going to get to see that. Sure. And then they had that, that whole reveal. thing. And it has been so del- – that's the reason why there's so much attention. That's why there was even second-guessing from the community about, oh, well, maybe Cactus Canyon's really the third game because they're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what's taking so long. Yeah, and I, don't, I still have no idea. And we may never know. Right. We it's just weird. Yeah. yeah, it really is. I mean, of course, they have the, the play field already. So uh, this has clearly been in the works for a long time. I don't know what they've been doing, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. But speaking of rumors, next news item, one that I know I touched on with Zach on This Week in Pinball, was that it's going around that Jersey Jack Pinball is considering doing another edition of Wizard of Oz. This one purportedly called the Yellow Brick Road Edition. I'm assuming it will involve the color yellow. Yeah, Tony, 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 do you have any thoughts? 
I their their additions are just excuses to keep the machines on the line. And do you think it would sell though? I mean, it's been out for like five years. They finally sold out of of the the ruby red mm-hmm. edition. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like they need to make a thousand of them. If they make a hundred or two hundred of them, and then they just box them up and have them set there. So when somebody wants a new unboxed machine, they ship the new unboxed machine out. I mean, it's. But don't you think the line should be busy making pirates? There, I mean, Stern's line can handle a whole bunch of machines. I'm sure Jersey Jack's machine line can handle building more than just one machine at a time. I'm sure they can handle having a second machine on the line. I I don't disagree with you. My issue is that wouldn't it make more sense to have two Pirates games on the line than one Wizard of Oz and one Pirates? Unless what you're telling me, Tony, is that there is no demand for Pirates. Is that what you're telling me? I can't get behind that. I know there's plenty of demand for pirates. I know there's still people waiting for theirs. That's why. Right. But again, this is just a rumor. This isn't that they're actually building it right now. Well, and there's, so. and there's no way to know. I mean, while it's a rumor, it doesn't mean they're, it's on the line now. They could just be waiting and throw, and to throw it on the line once pirates production slows down. Well, Joe, well, what are I your thoughts? Right, yeah. If I remember right, uh, Jack said that, uh, I think the quote was something along the lines of he gets a call every day from someone who wants to buy Wizard of Oz. And they said it was their, their most popular game. Um, so, uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. You know, I think one interesting aspect, uh, when you have these different machines that don't change the gameplay, but they're different themes, whether it's Yellow Brick, Brick Road or Ruby Red or whatever, is you can have a certain number of customers who are super fans of the theme who maybe just get enamored of a particular, you know, particular styling, particular special edition of, of the machine and actually decide they want to buy, even if they have one in their basement already, they might be like, Oh, yellow brick road. Oh, that looks awesome. I really want that one Buy the machine. And then, you know, go ahead and flip their existing game. You know, well, you can or they could be the put, insane guy who has to have everything. So they just, they've got, they could be sure, yeah, maybe. I guess I, I, I'm trying to do head-to-head tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I, I, I'm sure there's one guy out there who exists like that who's willing to do that. Oh, sure. Although you know what, uh, you know what, eight, eight, nine thousand dollars a pop. That's a, that's a pricey endeavor. But yeah, there's there's always someone. Uh, can you imagine just having like four or five different Wizard of Oz's just in a row? Oh, it, it, no, bizarre. it sounds awful. It, it'd, be, it'd, be, <laughs> it'd be so weird, but I mean, there are people out there who own like three of the same car in different colors because they oh, like sure. all three colors. If you can do that with you, if you can do that with a McLaren or, 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 or a, a, a Ferrari, you can do that with a pinball machine. No, sounds made yeah. up. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it happens with the cars either. <laughs> I, I've decided that that's a lie, and I don't want it spread. <laughs> but from a from a uh, from a manufacturing point of view, you know, I, I, I assume there is a market like that. You know, who either wants to collect them all, or you know, where certain people are, uh, you know, enamored with a particular you know theme. I mean, you do you do the you know the Tin Man edition and the Lion uh, edition and and so forth, whatever. I don't know, but those changes are easy to make. You know, they're not. Uh, I assume they're not changing the playfield layout. They're not changing the rules. You know, maybe you have just some modest changes to uh, to audio visuals in the game, like just you know a, a different title screen in the attract mode or something like that. But you know, nothing, nothing radical. That's the sort of thing that would be pretty easy to you know have a um, an art team, for example, just a, you know a person or two go off make these 
other editions. Uh, and you know, if their, their line is set up to be able to just slipstream, oh, you know, here's the, you know, here's the plastics for the yellow brick road edition, just put those on instead of the, the standard edition plastics. Sure. Generate a market that way. I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, you can, you can make something out of that. Um, you know, I do give them a, a, a tip of the hat if they don't change gameplay in any way, because that's uh, that's always been a little bit of a pet peeve of mine with with Stern's model, where the the actual gameplay changes between models. But uh, other yeah, than that, a, yeah, it's a frustration for me as well. Sure. Uh, speaking of Stern, they have a rumor as well. We can't we can't leave them out of the mix. This is what this is all rumors. There is no real news. So everything is rumors. <laughs> so I'm, I apologize that I couldn't make the news happen. Even uh, Oktoberfest is a rumor. We're actually yes, yeah, right. There's St. no. They say it's not going to be. Hey, you, you know, they say it's not going to be exactly like Houdini. <laughs> hey, did you hear that Houdini has tight shots? I've heard that Houdini has tight shots. I, I never heard that. Really? Oh, well, okay. Well, that's what I, that's the rumor. Tight, huh. tight, but findable. That's the rumor. Huh, so, okay. I'll have yeah, to check that fascinating. out. Fascinating. So in the case of Stern, I have no idea about the rumor of the shots. The rumor is that Munsters, which most people have expected to be the next game and to come out at the end of this year, has been flipped. And instead, Beatles will come out first and then Munsters. I, uh, Joe, is it a big deal which one comes out first? Not for me. No. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, um, the, the the people who care about the timing, everyone's all worked up either way. I, I, I'm sure it'll cause you know another thousand message thread one way or the other. But uh, you know, if if the rumors are to be to be believed, uh, both games are coming down the road, and you know whether you wait six months or or, or twelve months for it isn't a big deal to me. So you're not a a mega fan of either of those particular franchises. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, with monsters, honestly, I, I barely ever watched it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm passing, passing familiarity with it, but it's, it's nothing that's, uh, you know, doing anything for me, uh, with the Beatles. I mean, you know, I like Beatles music. It's great and all I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I think personally, I'm kind of just done with the band themes. Um, there've been so many of those over the past 10 years or so I'd like to move on, but, uh, yeah, you know, if you're going to pick a band, you know it's hard to hard to find one more iconic than the Beatles. Uh, again, I think that's a great way to tap a market of of people who are uh, uh, you know hyper collectors. I know for a fact there's a number of of people like that in in, in Mania land. So um, yeah, if you can get people who don't even care about pinball to, to you know throw down a few thousand dollars for a game, yeah, yeah, more power to them. I have a coworker. He's in another division, but. Uh... I talked to him and he doesn't care about pinball at all in any way, shape or form, but mm-hmm. he's an enormous Iron Maiden fan. And so is okay. his wife and they are, they have a fund set aside specifically to get an Iron Maiden machine that they're building up so they can get an Iron Maiden machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how many okay. stories are there of that? You know, I, I, you just happen to know someone at work, right? And there's, there's probably, you know, people in every other office who have the same, uh, same attitude, whether it's Iron Maiden or ACDC or whatever. So, you know, in that sense, it's an awesome model. Yeah. yeah the, I mean, that's the, that's the power of licensing. Right. And I think yeah. that's the, probably the greatest contribution that Daddy East ever ended up making. Uh, and mm-hmm. some people may feel it's a double edged sword in a way, but I mean, at the time it was, Hey, this will get operators will like this. It will get coin drop. That first quarter will fall in because that's Jurassic Park. That's last action hero. You know, they weren't all winners, but, but you would just go with all these themes. And now with the home collector market, 
people often have that nostalgic tie or they just identify really strongly with, oh, I really like Game of Thrones as a show or as a book. So I want that game. And that's a, it's very powerful, but with the, with the rumors of, I mean, everyone's assuming from the head to head pinball interview with Joe, Joe Kamakau that the license he said that he had to spend a million dollars for was the Beatles license. There's never been that sort of money thrown at a license for pinball before. That's kind of, to me, that's kind of scary because that's going to have to be modernized somehow on the sales. Yeah. If, if it's actually a million dollars, that is, um, you know, it, it's hard to imagine how that gets split up amongst uh, you know, the typical number of runs of games. Um, that's a huge whack to the bill of materials. You know, does that mean the play field becomes some more simple, just offset the cost of the license? I don't know. Yeah, or maybe the, they actually think they'll sell twenty thousand units of the machine. I don't know. Well, one one of the rumors I've heard is the idea of like they did with the super LE with Batman 66, but like a super duper LE <laughs> where you say, well, they're going to be, they're going to be 10 of them and they're 50 grand. And the truth of the matter is, is with the Beatles, you could do that. I, I guess yeah. I'm still, yeah. so. I full on think you could do yeah. that. I, I can, I, I, the only bands I think are big enough in the world that you could do that and get by with it are the Beatles and journey. Elvis, Can't Elvis, stop. And maybe Queen. Yeah. Although Elvis uh, actually got done already, which is yeah. interesting. And I'm sure it's that was not game. a million dollar license. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I don't think. I, obviously, since they've done it before, I don't think he, it would require. But I could see you maybe saying, right. I mean, there are a lot of people who are. You're right. Just, there are a I lot think, of fans. I think those are the only bands I can and, think that are big enough that they could pull off something like that and have it be real. Justin Bieber. Done. What about the Beebs, man? The, well, the Beyonce. The problem is they're all still young. Yeah. Well, Beyonce, Beyonce. Yeah. So there we go. Beyonce. You got to put a ring on it, multiball. Yeah. 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 That's one of her songs, right? I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. yeah sure. Why not? If it made money, it was one of <laughs> Beyonce's, Beyonce's behind everything profitable in music. <laughs> well, would, would, the L, will, would the translite for the LE be that really bad still frame from the Super Bowl where, she, where um, she's all, all looking weird and stuff? I don't remember stuff. that. Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> okay. So then are you, are, you, are you guys then arguing just keep the band uh, thing rolling indefinitely? I think it's it's got to be coming to an end. I would think it would be coming to an end because mm. I don't, in my opinion, but I'm not a big enough – I like music. But I don't love music. I like listening to music. I'm super eclectic, but at no point is it like a, oh, yeah, no, I love this one band so much that I have to have it. And while we've gotten some really good players out of the band games, like ACDC, I love ACDC. It's one of my favorite modern games. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's a lot of them out there that it's just like, okay, yeah, I'll play it, but I don't. It's not the game where I'm going to walk in and if there's three games, I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go drop all my money in that one machine. Right. Yeah. For me, I'm not, I'm not a fan of band themes on a, like on a licensing level. They, there aren't very many that would ever appeal to me just because of the theme, mm -hmm. but there aren't really, well, there are themes where I'll go. I think license themes are the smart move. I think it's a smart play because of what it can do for sales. I personally am really only interested in how the game plays by and right. large. So as long as the theme isn't offensive to me, I 
I would be happy to consider any any particular theme. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I you don't care like about Iron art. Maiden. Yeah, Iron Maiden. I I couldn't care less about as the band, but uh, the game's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I've known. Yeah, there are a number of people I've known who are who want that game or have bought that game because they like Elwin's layout. It's not that some of them hate. And the issue is if they really hate Iron Maiden, and then it comes into well, can I go in with my editing software and change the music out so I don't have to listen to it sort of yeah. thing, but they want the mm-hmm. game, they want the rules. And some of them will just stomach it and turn the volume down to one. So, just yep. depends. So, next news item. Ah, Deep Root. Jeff, with This Week in Pinball, got to tour their facility down in Texas. I do have a link in the show notes to Jeff's write-up on that for anyone who wants to read about his visit. But a few highlights from it. He confirmed that it is quote unquote real pinball, physical pinball, uh, and some other tidbits. They are working to secure licenses. A popular eighties license is confirmed to have been secured, though they didn't indicate which one. Fall guy. Fall guy. Yeah. <laughs> Airwolf. <laughs> and, uh, manufacturing equipment is not yet all in place yet. So I know it may not have been Deep Root's opinion, but I got the sense it was Jeff's opinion that he's not sure whether or not they will actually be able to be producing games on the line, so to speak, as of TPF, which has been the uh, sort of official goal, TPF 2019. Uh, I don't know if you want to reveal who I'll ever reached out to you, Joe, but I was wondering, was Deep Root one of the companies that approached you after Highway? Uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I won't uh, list any of the specifics who reached out one way or the other. It's, it's, That's fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep away from that. But uh, No problem. No problem. <laughs> yeah, but they're an interesting I, company. Yeah, they've uh, – well, I, I, I only speculated on it because they've scooped up so much talent. Uh, they have. I mean, Steve Bowden's with them doing, doing rule design. Obviously they've got four major veteran designers from the old days, Bally Williams and Premier. And it's, I mean, everything they've done has been to show signs that they're, they're serious and they've got cash behind them, which is what I think is making it very interesting to people like us versus some of these other companies, which have had ideas and often great ideas, but when, when it came to the production side, it always seems like they run out of money. Right. So like what we're witnessing with Dutch pinball right now. It's just like there's yep. just not enough money to, they can't do a lawsuit and keep producing. They probably couldn't have kept producing even if there was no lawsuit. So it's, it's very concerning to people, uh, especially because all that was on the pre-order model. Deep Roots making these motions that there is no pre-order money expected for them. There's not going to be these big delays when you order the game. You know, they're saying the right things, broadly speaking. So, I mean, do you have any sense as to what everything that I'm always seeing, though, is that there's something different, that it's it's real physical pinball, but something different. I don't know if you had any thoughts on what might be the different thing that we're expecting. Uh, we had Robert Mueller on uh, back in February, and at that point, he had noted at the end of the interview that. He thought P3 was too far towards virtual pinball. So from then, I've always, in my mind, known it. real pinball for him means something more physical than what Jerry has done with Multimorphic. Mm-hmm. But I, but he's doing something different, obviously. Yeah, you know, uh, Jeff in his uh, This Week in Pinball uh, uh, report did say something, if I remember right, that maybe the head was non-traditional. I think yes. he, he had wording along those lines. So, you know, that certainly gets your brain tickling, wondering if it's, uh, you know, pulling back the, the pinball 2000 model, you know, where there's some, some sort of projector, uh, over part of the play field that, uh, 
you know, it can do some some virtual imaging. Uh, I was always personally kind of a, a fan of the Pinball 2000 concept. I think uh, a lot of people poo-pooed it ahead of time when we only saw two games. And I was, I was always pretty uh, excited about the possibilities of what could have been done as the designers became, you know, more comfortable and more innovative with, uh, with the technology. But, of course, we didn't really get to see that. Um, you know, so I guess that's a possibility. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, the, the one thing that really raises my eyebrows with, with Deep Root is, you know, their title selection, at least what's been rumored or semi-confirmed or whatever. You know, it's kind of a, a an eclectic mix of titles that already have a lot of baggage around, uh, you know, J-pop and that whole thing combined with something like Fire and Brimstone, which, I know, I, I find a very interesting choice of title. Um, certainly a well-known theme, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you you have the risk of, you know, getting some people riled up uh, and, and, you know, having other side problems with that. So I, I don't know. It's, 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 um, you know, it's certainly one of the more interesting uh, stories to monitor in pinball. Yeah. We've been, we've been keeping an eye on it as, as the entire community, because it is, it is interesting. And I know that they've, I think, I think Robert came out on Pinsight a while ago and had noted he had talked to Pinball Brothers about getting Queen, um, which, oh, that's, uh, that's a fun aside, fun for me, maybe not fun for you, Joe, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll ask you about it. Do you have any sense? Do you think Pinball Brothers is actually going to try and produce pins or, or what? Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been rumored that they're, they're, uh, looking at producing Queen or some other title down the road. So they're, they're still on, they're still on the This Week in Pinball, uh, you know, list of manufacturers, yeah. which is now, I don't know what, four or five screens long you scroll it's through. Too it. big. It's too I just scroll past it. I can't, I can't read it. <laughs> it's like Phoenix Pinball and mm-hmm. the Goblin game that keeps renaming, it seems, every two weeks. <laughs> I know that's wrong. I know they renamed once. I'm being unfair, but they don't listen, so it be okay they won't they won't get too mad um <laughs> last news item actually is what tony mentioned back in the intro and that's casey GameCon. yep so that is an esports convention that we have here in kansas city and for those that are pinball fans and don't know anything about video games esports is competitive video games but they did invite pinball to participate this year so carrie wing has who's one of the top players in the world of pinball and is a Kansas city area player. She has taken the lead on organizing this event. And so on December 1st, there is going to be a pinball tournament that is going to take place all day at the Casey game con. And the reason why it's newsworthy, besides the fact that we haven't had a quote unquote major event style like this for years. Now we've been talking behind the scenes, Kansas city players have been talking about trying to put together another show, which I don't think has happened since I first got started in the hobby. And Tony and I were approached and asked if we would actually live stream and commentate the event, given our vast knowledge of all pinball rules and all pinball players. Uh, and I'm being facetious, Joe. We don't yeah, know any yeah, of that. No, it's, so, it's terrifying. So, so but, <laughs> but we're going to do our best. And that's why the, on Friday earlier, we went over and we did a full hookup to run through what we were planning to do. And it actually, the test went very well. So technologically, I think we're in a good place. Yeah. Uh, Intellectually, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm, I'm very much going to, I'm going to, my plan is currently to funnel my inner John Madden. 
Mm. And just go with the obvious and color commentary type stuff. In order to win, you've got to score points. Thank you, John Madden. (laughs) Uh, And you need a telestrator. Don't forget the telestrator. (laughs) Everybody wants the telestrator. telestrator. It's a big pain with the software. But but, uh, so anyway. This uh, here's a pop bumper. If you look here, I got a little design. pop bumper looks kind of like this. And (laughs) when the ball hits it, it goes, ba-dang. And it sends the ball flying (laughs) off in another direction. Careful not to stretch into Dick Vitale there. <laughs> I think you're walking the line between the two. But anyway, we are, uh, we have a link in the show notes to the Facebook page for Casey GameCon Pinball Championship for anyone who's interested in attending. If you, must, if you just want to watch it, it will be streamed on our Twitch channel. We do have one and it's linked in the, uh, ep- in the program notes. I, I've now put those in on our show notes. There's always stuff related to yeah. just us at the bottom. So you can find that there. It'll be on the new one. So anyway. You, as I noted, Joe, we really had to reach to make news. So hmm. we're, we're done with news. So we're going to talk about something fun. Not that the news fun. isn't fun, but this will be more fun, especially for you, because we're going to talk about pinball leagues. And Sweet. You, are, you are heavily involved in pinball leagues. So tell me why. Why do you why should we care about pinball leagues, Joe? They are the gateway drug to competitive pinball. And unlike other kinds of drugs, this is something you want to get addicted to. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, yeah, there, we, we keep trying to grow the player base of pinball. And, and, you know, certainly competitive pinball is a big part of that. But if you have something like, you know, what, what's the major tournament? Right? You have something like Pinburg, which... We got sold out in 30 seconds, I think, it was this year, something like that. You know, th- that's overwhelming for people new to the, the hobby, new to the sport, right? You're not going to sit there and hit refresh at 11 a.m. on whatever day and pay hundreds of dollars for the, the show tickets and then hundreds of dollars in transportation and hotel room and all that. No, you know that's just not going to happen. Um, but what does happen with people all the time, we see in our local community, machines get set up in a bar or a restaurant or an arcade or a pool hall or whatever it is. And um, certainly people who are into pinball immediately congregate to those machines and start playing and maybe they form a league or whatever. But then you have the casual players, the people are like, hey, yeah, I, I like pinball, but you know, whatever you want to get those people into the community. Cause it, it really does for, for many people, not everyone. It, it really turns into kind of an addiction you you understand oh there's more to pinball than just not draining there's rules to the game oh there's strategy to the rules of the game it's you know you have to do things in this order or this timing or you know you want to do this but not that whatever it is right now the stuff we know i'm mean, preaching the choir sorry about that um but it's important to get new players engaged with that stuff. Um, and you know, there's, there's different ways to do it. You see local tournaments popping up left and right. Um, the, the growth of, you know, the Whopper leader boy board over the past few years certainly attests to that. Um, I just think leagues are, are a really great way to get new people in that's not as intimidating it's not like this is the big local tournament and all the big players are coming it's a league we hang out we're gonna have some beers we're gonna play some pinball and have some fun you know we have different divisions so you don't have to worry about you know if you're competing against the best players um and it gives people an out you know a certain number of people won't like it for whatever reason and they can just kind of flitter away and the commitment uh, level is is usually pretty low um yeah, you're right. I've been involved with pinball leagues for a, a long time. Uh, 
the the league I'm in in the in the Washington D.C. area is the Free State Pinball Association (FSPA), uh, which has been running continuously since 1995. Wow! Um, is yeah, that the longest uh, running long league? Um, if it's not the longest, uh, it's certainly in the top couple, I think, uh, you know, since uh, no one is here to fact check me, I'll say, yes, we're the longest running league. Good. We like hard <laughs> takes. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, what's your league structure? If you don't mind me asking the Tony and I actually don't play in league. We occasionally have one. We there in the area. There was one this summer. Uh, and we, I think the league people, they're, they're always trying different things, trying to find ways to get it to grow to more people. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear from successful leagues to know what you all are doing. We had Bowen on last year, and that's what what he he focused on what the New England Pin- Pinball League does, which mm-hmm. was interesting. But uh, we never tried that particular approach. So w- what does Free State do? So um, one of the things that's uh, relatively uncommon about our format is is we insist on participation. So there's a lot of leagues out there that. Um, you kind of show up when you do show up and you don't show up when you don't show up and whatever. And that's all fine. Uh, the thing we never liked about that was if you compete against someone who's only participating half the time or a third of the time, it's, it's kind of just cheesy to even compare your scores. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. Right. So in, in, in FSPA, we do require that players participate Every week of the season. Um, now, if you're not, we understand people can't literally be there every week. So we have the ability, you can uh, record pre-plays ahead of time on all the machines at the location. And then if you're absent for whatever reason, whether that's vacation, illness, you know, stuck in traffic, those pre-plays just automatically kick in on your behalf. Um, uh, but it's a skill-based grouping. So I'm going to give some kind of comparisons here to what I know other leagues do because uh, I, I work with hundreds of leagues uh, uh, in concert with uh, with Papa running uh, league management software. Um, so when, in FSPA, we're skill-based grouping. So at the start of the season, we seed everyone uh, based on their skill level. So the, the top uh, ranked person will be the, the top seed of, of group one, and it goes down to however many groups you need for, for the, the league size. Um each week, you only compete against your group mates, of course. It's a match play format. Uh, if you win your group, you bubble up one group. If you lose your group, you bubble down a group. So at the end of every week, there's this kind of big swapping of players throughout the whole uh, league. And what that does is it kind of naturally bubbles everyone to players of similar skill. But since you're moving, but since people are moving every week, you're not just playing the same people week after week after week. There's, there's this you know, big shuffle that happens and you're still playing people of similar skill. Um, and we do our seasons are 10 weeks of regular, uh, season play. And then approximately half of people make the playoffs, which, which is the 11th week. And, and we do playoffs for, uh, for cash and prizes and trophies. Uh, and that lets us have three seasons a year. Uh, about a four week break roughly between seasons. So it gives people a little bit of a chance not to get burnt out. Um, although we'll, we will run some one off tournaments in the off season for people who, who want to get burnt out, I guess. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, a lot of people, you know, kind of appreciate getting a little bit of a break and we throw a party and, uh, uh, during the off season just to celebrate that's paid for out of the league dues and, uh, everyone seems to enjoy getting together. Now, now with FSPA, Unlike some leagues, we have uh, 
oh my God, where are we at now? Five or six um, separate leagues all running under the FSPA banner. Um, so all those leagues are independent. They run on different days. So some people play in two leagues or three leagues. You know, most people just play in one or whatever. Uh, the the end of season party then becomes really nice because we get everyone together and, and you know people in the in the different leagues and different locations can can mingle and get together and talk and play games and have a good time for a for an afternoon. How, how do you um, promote all this? Is it is it just word of mouth? Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of word of mouth. Uh, you know, it, at this point, if you search Virginia pinball or Maryland pinball, uh, you know, we're generally in the top couple hits on, on Google for people who do that, uh, at the, the locations we put up flyers. Um, some of our locations have been absolutely wonderful with us. One of our locations, uh, is kind of a, a brew pub restaurant, every little napkin holder they put, a little flyer basically, you know, on the napkin holder for our league, which, hmm. you know, when we walked in and saw that, it's like, Oh my God, you people are so wonderful. Thank you. Um, it's, um, yeah, some of it is word of mouth, uh, you know, social media presence, all, all, all the usual suspects. Um, it's, it's growing. It can be hard. I mean, there, there's no question about it. You know, one of the, the things I hear from new, uh, new leagues, you know, who reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm thinking of starting a league. Can you help me? Is, well, I've only heard from 10 people. And I'm like, great. You have 10 people. You can have three groups, which is fine. That's enough, you know, spread of people. Um, start with 10 people. You'll pick up people during the season. They'll have word of mouth. Just seeing people at a location who are obviously competing because everyone knows it's, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. Even people who aren't familiar kind of look and say, "Oh, you guys are doing some sort of like competition thing." You know, I I, I don't know uh, what that vibe is that we give off. That oh, you're the competitor people, um, you know. But it, yeah, you just kind of naturally draw people in. You know, don't be afraid of having a, a small league to start. You got to start somewhere and just take that first step. And the other nice thing about starting with a smaller league is it's less intimidating for the person who's running it. You know, there's some leagues that actually start off with like 40, 50 people or something. And the, the league director is, you know, kind of going crazy. Cause like, Oh my God, how do I group people? How do I do scoring? It's, it's too much to, to handle, which it kind of is. If you go from zero to 50 people overnight, you know, yeah. sure. Start with, start with a dozen people. You can kind of get in the flow of it as a league director as well as, as, as the players. So yeah, don't, don't be afraid. There's no, there's no bad outcome, right? I mean, the worst possible outcome is even if the league totally fails, you all played some pinball for a while and had a good time. That That's not a terrible thing. Well, I got a couple real quick questions just on this is, is since you're running different groups and I, and, and I, I didn't, here, I didn't know if you mentioned just how big of a league are you talking about the in you're currently in? Uh, so for us, uh, like you said, we have like five different leagues under the FSPA banner. So our this season, our league sizes, I think the smallest is about 14, 15, and the largest is 45, something like that. that that's, so that's a pretty good the, spread. Yeah, across the leagues, I think we have maybe 150 players this season. And you, and they, they run at different locations. They, does one league run at one location all the time or does it rotate locations every week? Every league kind of just rotates around or I No, no, no. Each league is dedicated to a particular location and a particular day of week. 
So at, you know, on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., we play at this specific bar. And on Wednesdays at 8 p.m., we play at this specific volleyball arena, et cetera. So, uh, you know, players can choose. We're kind of philosophically some we, we, we shy away from uh, rotating locations. It's kind of confusing the players. Um, you know, they may forget or lose track of where to show up to mm-hmm. you know, in each different meet or whatever. Uh, we also shy away and we, and we suggest people don't do home leagues if they can possibly avoid it. Um, you don't get that, you know, the passers by seeing you. Um, there's a lot of concern of, you know, people don't like to put their address on the internet and just have random people show up at their house. I get that. That makes sense. You don't have to worry about what happens if the, the league, the, the homeowner, has you know get sick or something you just cancel league i guess oh well you know there, there's a lot of issues around uh home-based leagues some places you just can't avoid it but um yeah i definitely say if, if anyone is interested in starting a league try to find a location and if you don't have an existing location it's a great opportunity if you've got a couple machines or you can get a couple of friends together to each volunteer a game to put on location Find a find a, a bar or restaurant that's willing to work with you, and uh, you know start your own location. You know, grow the scene a little bit. Now you mentioned involved with a uh, with the league work and also with Papa that you've done some software related to this. Which, given your background, is I suppose no way surprising. But could you talk a little <laughs> bit about the about the software? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny. It started as something just for for our league for the FSPA, um, and. Then a couple other leagues uh, approached us and said, hey, you know, we saw what you were doing. We saw your website and we like your rules. Can we get in on it? And and, uh, foolish me, at at the original time, I hadn't planned that far ahead. I just did software for us. But I was like, well, you know, if you're just if you're running the same rules and all, sure, no problem. You know, it'll just set up a different uh, different role for your league and off you go. And then there were more, and then there were more, and then there were more. <laughs> um, and, and it started going out of control. I had to end up redoing the software from scratch because it was it was completely not uh, prepared for that level of growth. Um, and then uh, at some point along the line, I, yeah, I partnered up with uh, the the fine folks at Papa. Uh, you know, I had talks with Mark Steinman there. He wanted, as part of just Papa's general educational outreach, I guess, of, of all things pinball. Um, he wanted to have uh, uh, support for leagues to, um, you know, kind of one-stop shopping where you can come and, and get software and get it set up and, and get rules of guidance and all. Um, so if you go to league.papa.org, uh, you can, I, I have my very cheesy little intro page and uh, a sign-up form for people. Um, and I've, worked with i'm going to guess conservatively probably 300 different leagues around the world uh and uh our software is hosting about 130 of those right now um so there's a lot of leagues uh and i I invite people uh we don't charge anything for it uh papa uh provides the hosting as part of their sponsorship of this so the, the web hosting's covered uh, we do not charge a dime for any of it, uh, whether or not you want to use the software. Um, don't hesitate to reach out to me if, if you're starting a league or if you have a league, but you're not really happy with it. You want to explore new ideas. I love talking with people and I'm probably a little bit crazy, but I spend many hours each week just talking with different leagues, uh, about, you know, how they can 
shift their format around or, or do scorekeeping and, uh, or how to grow or how to, uh, um, address different rulings. It's, you know, whatever it is, um, I, 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 uh, you know, I just get a kick about talking about this stuff. I get a kick out of growing the league, uh, community worldwide. Uh, cause like I said, I, I really think it's, uh, uh, the gateway drug to competitive pinball and I want to see more people playing competitive pinball. So, you know, let's, let's make this happen. I'm happy to help in any little way I can. Okay. And we're going to have a link in our show notes to your Papa league software. So people can go check that out by just clicking beneath the, uh, the notes section of our podcast. Yep. yep. Cool. So Tony. And I, I, uh, one other question is, is I know me and Dennis, when we do run, when there are leagues running in the Kansas City area, me and Dennis tend not to participate, not from lack of interest, but from, uh, the realities of times. Cause when you're talking about a league that starts at eight or nine PM on a weeknight and I wake up at 3 AM to go to work, Oof. it kind of <laughs> turns into a no go. And mm-hmm. I know Dennis, Dennis is a long commuter. Uh, to go to work. So he has the same problem. He has to wake up extremely early to do a long commute for work. So have you found any issues with that or any answers or thoughts on how to deal with a league? I mean, I know most leagues tend to be afternoon or evening weeknight things, but have you do some places run like a weekend league or this or that? Cause I know we run a lot of weekend tournaments. We run like, we've got like two of them, uh, a month in this area. Yep. So, yeah, no, uh, we actually, uh, yeah, we, we historically were always kind of, you know, weekdays at, uh, seven or 8 PM. We, we started a few years ago, a league Sundays at four 30, uh, in the afternoon. Um, which I was a little concerned about that time that, you know, people would be, you know, either watching football in the fall or, or caught up with dinner plans or whatever, but it's actually been very successful. It's been a great, uh, time for people. Um, yeah, play with it. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. There, there's certain people who, like you said, you know, have to, have to be at work at five in the morning. And, and so, you know, the idea of playing league from eight to 10 on, a, on a, on a work night is just kind of a no go. Um, and, 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 you know, it's a tough balance. And, and to some extent, even things like your community's traffic patterns matter. Like in the DC area, traffic is a complete nightmare. Um, the, the bellway around town is, is usually just, you know, a, a wall of metal, uh, you know, <laughs> even at seven o'clock at night, you know? So for us, it was kind of, we had to push the, the start time for most of our leagues a little bit later because otherwise people just wouldn't be able to get there from work. Um, you know, other, other towns, you know, maybe don't have that bad of a traffic problem. And yeah, maybe you can start at seven o'clock or six thirty or you know whatever it is. You, you you play with it. You survey your community, see you know what days and what times work. Uh, we've been a little hesitant to do Fridays and Saturdays. We figure Friday night people tend to you know kick back and you know go visit uh, you know the bar or watch a movie with the family, whatever. Um, and Saturdays, oh my goodness, I don't know about you guys, but our our local uh, calendar of pinball events. I think every Saturday is taken through like the year 2021 or something. It's crazy. So <laughs> yeah, you know, it's bad here too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great. Yeah. But as far as having a, a league to contend with that, we figure that's uh that's not a great idea. So we've, we've definitely been avoiding Saturday for, for leagues, but okay. yeah, play with it and, you know, find, find a, a day and a time that work for your community. 
Um, now, e- there are even some leagues that I've worked with. Um, this is hard to make happen, but where each of the groups is kind of a um, self forming, self-regulating sort of situation. So where you publish up on, on the internet somewhere, hey, this week group one is, you know, Dennis and Tony and Joe, and it's up to the three of us to, you know, figure out a day and time we can all make it happen and then go to the, the league location, play our assigned games or whatever. Um, there's there's some downsides to that, one of which is if you don't have a tournament director who's on site, for one thing, I think you don't get whopper points if i remember the rules correctly um but you know it, it can be a little difficult to adjudicate uh you know any issues if you do it that way but if that's your only choice for whatever reason go for it again it's it's all about the people having fun don't worry too much especially as, as a league is forming don't worry too much about the whoppers if you if that's a problem don't worry too much about having you know 20 machines to play you know if you have three games to play you have three games to play just make it happen okay well, we've got another topic. You suggested this one, Joe, and I think it's really interesting. And that is about uh, programming. It's about balance. The balance mm-hmm. between having highly strategic games versus games that are more of that shot-making style or pure flow. And mm-hmm. as, as a bit of a lead-in, this is very, very timely. There's another podcast focused more on video games, but it's called Gaming on 10 Minutes a Week. And they actually, on a recent episode, had a discussion about modern pinball and what they don't like about modern pinball. And one of the hosts noted, and he's a big electromechanical fan, said, mm-hmm. as Farkstrom, now I'm putting words in his mouth, so <laughs> apologies to Nick if I, if I get it wrong, but it was essentially that if you had to code, that's the problem. Coding in pinball machines is bad. That if you can't spell it out and have the scoring on the play field clear to the player, you've already messed up. And so I thought, that's really interesting. We're having a coder come on. So let's talk <laughs> about this because I think people fall in all sorts of different lines. So it, it's your suggestion. So Joe, what, what do you think? What's the struggle with the balance between having high strategy, high, uh, thought process games versus just that, you know, the fun of shooting the table, like in ye old days? Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I, I, I've obviously been thinking about this a lot more in in the past, well, the past few months, in the past couple of years, uh, and, and it's something I've been just constantly juggling in my mind, right? So uh, take a look at something like uh, the the pin side, uh, you know, top fifty, top hundred list, whatever. Um, it's interesting to see the blend of games that's up there. So. Uh, if, if I remember right, I don't have the screen in front of me, but I think maybe Attack from Mars or, or Medieval Menace, I think, is holding like the number one, number two positions. And it's actually kind of hard to say that those are deeply strategic games, certainly by today's standards. You know, ever since uh, the world let Keith Johnson lose to do rule sets, uh, the, I think right, the definition right. of strategic uh, got totally rewritten. Um uh, those aren't deeply strategic games. You, you kind of shoot them. You know, there's, you have to do a couple things in the right order. Um, if you want to, you know, maximize your points or stack a multi ball or something. But for the most part, you shoot the game and, uh, you know, you have fun with it. Um, 
but then there's you know there are the more strategic games and, and you know I I'm, I'm I'm good friends with Keith Johnson so don't don't uh, don't let it sound like I'm ragging on him but you know his games are incredibly strategic and complicated and and not immediately understandable always what you need to do to do things um, but from a long term player or homeowner point of view. Um, that really keeps it interesting because there's always something new you haven't seen the game do, or, or, you know, you can focus just on specific things. Like how many people have gotten pretzel multi-ball on Simpsons pinball party? Um, how many people even know there is such a thing as pretzel multi-ball on Simpsons pinball party? Um, you know, so you can actually make a new game for yourself just by focusing on one of the, you know, the intricacies of the rule sets that you maybe didn't know about or, or, or didn't focus before. So, so in my mind, the real issue, and then, you know, I, I guess I'm saying this is a pinball designer right now, um, is you want to accommodate both sets of people. You know, there's some people who have no interest in learning the rules of the game to any, you know, nuanced detail. Uh, they just want it to be fun to shoot, um, you know, the pleasing ball paths, pleasing geometry of the game. And, and, you know, when you, when you make those shots, you want cool audiovisual response, um, or, or, you know, using your, your theory, then, you know, it should be like an EM game. Well, if you, if you're not coding it, maybe there's not even audiovisual response, right? It just goes ding. I don't know. Um, but then you balancing that with, uh, you know, the long-term appeal of, of the game, you know, is this something you're going to get bored of, uh, you know, down the road? So, yeah, actually, when I, I, I mentioned the topic, I, I was, uh, you know, hoping to hear some thoughts from you guys as well about, you know, do you enjoy taking the time to learn the, the detailed rules of the game? Um, is that something you find engaging? You find it more like doing schoolwork and, and, uh, you know, it's just a, a hassle and you want no part of that. You just want to flip. Um, you know, what, what, what are your guys' thoughts on that balance? I think that I really like it when a machine is, it has something where if you jump in and without knowing anything, you can still feel accomplished when there's obvious and easy enough targets. That mm-hmm. you still feel accomplished, but like you said on the board and thing, it's very easy to get bored of it after a while. Mm-hmm. So I think, so if you can find a game that's got just a nice balance where there's a couple things that are easy, they feel good. And for someone just walking up to it, they have fun with it while still also having some deep enough stuff without destroying its ability to be a good tournament game, without destroying its ability to be. Uh, well played would be an amazing balance that would just make for like a perfect setup to a game. Right. Uh, you know, for me, and I'm, I'm going to say something that for some will be uh, quite the uh, insult or whatever, but uh, TNA, uh, you know, total nuclear annihilation right now is, is very popular uh, in the community, very popular amongst some uh, homeowners. Tony loves it. Be careful, Joe. I, I, you know, like I said, I knew I was, I'd be insulting some people here. Um, for me, while I, I appreciate and I give Scott Denisi, you know, tons of props for what he did. Um, it's just too much on the simple side. You know, you hit the little tic-tac-toe board and then you hit the scoop and then you hit an orbit and then you hit a, a target and then, okay, great. I did that. Now what? Well, you do the same thing again. Yeah. And then you do the same thing again. And right. then, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, you can throw multi-ball locks in the mix. 
which, you know, from a geometry point of view, that kind of bothers me too, because you know, the tic-tac-toe board is here and the, the lock is, you know, half an inch to the right of there. So all your shots are kind of aimed at the same place, uh, certainly in the, the opening stretch of the game. Um, for me personally, it's just too simple. It's, it's, you know, I play it. It's like, that's fun. And I have a couple games. I'm like, okay, I, I don't feel any need to do that again for a while. Um, but a lot of people love DNA. I and mean, it sounds like you're saying, uh, Tony, you love DNA. So I do. I, I, I do. I, I've loved it since I played the Whitewood. It's, <laughs> but, but I do completely understand where you're coming from that it is not a game that, uh, necessarily has the same kind of depth that you'd see out of a, uh, Dennis's personal favorite game, The Hobbit. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is not true at all. You're right. It doesn't have the same depth. Right. Hobbit is the worst game Jersey Jack ever made. <laughs> but, and I can see where, especially in a home use, because, and that's one thing that is, it's coming from, uh, uh, that's not, my experience because I don't have that kind of play and we don't have one on location. So I haven't played it a ton. I've only played it at very special occasions, you know, when we've been and in Texas and at, at stuff like that is my only chances to get to flip it. So I don't ever have the chance for that burnout to really settle in. And I can see where actually owning it and actually having it on location a lot, that could be an issue. So that mm-hmm. makes complete sense to me. I, um, I like Total Nuclear Annihilation. I agree completely, though, that there's only one right way to play it. And yes. That, and that's the problem I do have with it. It's get your multi-ball, destroy your reactor. That That's the right way to play it. All other mm-hmm. ways to play it are wrong. There's only one right way. Bowen showed us the right way to play the game. Right. The reason why I think Total Nuclear Annihilation is fun and why it's so popular is that it's brutal. And that modern games are too easy. And I agree that modern games, by and large, feel like they have gotten a little bit on the easy side. My biggest gripe about Iron Maiden is that I hate it in tournaments because even I can play it for 10 minutes on three balls. That's too yep. long. I'm, and I may still be in the mindset of the game for location. And Tony and I mostly play on location. Mm-hmm. I have a few games. My newest game is Star Trek, but everything else is early 90s or earlier. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm used to and enjoy playing games that have rules. And I like, so to, let me, I'll pivot on it and I'll say, I want there to be more than one thing to do so I can entertain myself, but I generally don't lean towards it being a 30 minute journey. Like I, I do really like Lord of the Rings and what Kiefer did with it. I really respect it a lot. Love but, it. But I, like everything coming out of JJP right now is like that. And maybe it's okay for one manufacturer that puts out a game a year to, to do that. But I wouldn't like it if everyone did that. I lean more towards falling into that Lyman sheet style of code category where assuming you have a decent layout, he gives you some easy things that are obvious that you go for. Like, Hey, look, you can bash this well walker and you're going to get a multi ball. Mm-hmm. But if you want to take some high risks, there's some big points, really complicated scoring strategies, but you won't have fun. You won't lose. It it won't be bad for you if you don't know about that. You'll still have fun playing, but he's got stuff in there for the hardcore tournament, a grade players. That's what I like to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I I, I completely agree. I think Lyman does a fantastic job with that, uh, with that balance between the, the obvious goals and then the, the, uh, 
you know, kind of the subtle hidden strategies. And, and, you know, I think it shows because again, if you like look at the, the pin side top hundred as a reference, a lot of those titles at the top of the leaderboard are, are Lyman Sheets coded games. So yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's something to be said about t- taking a game, which, well, I met on the theme, Metallica. Uh, mm-hmm. You have something like, okay, well, for a starting player, they see and get a very rewarding visceral reaction when they shoot Sparky. Shooting the snake is obvious and harder. So if you want to start a game more intermediate, but then the advanced techniques of activating crank it up and applying all of that things i still don't fully understand as i found out yesterday losing (laughs) because i didn't make one shot on on the game (laughs) it's got a lot of depth to that and i just in terms of the programmers we've seen a lot of content out of i think lyman's sort of at the top and Kiefer's approach is also very very popular but he does you know he has got like lots and lots of depth he likes to let you stack your multi-balls it's just a very different style and he seems to program more towards journey style pins where it's yeah. like you're going on an adventure and there's a lot of things uh but for me the problem with it isn't the code it's that the games are playing so long that it feels almost like a chore that's mm-hmm. where i'd rather just play iron man sort of thing but that's yeah. personal preference yeah it, it's pretty interesting in that way and you know another game that uh you know i really enjoy shooting and has almost no rules whatsoever to speak of is demo man. Mm, That's I I think an example where, you know, the layout is, you know, it's super fun to shoot all the, the combos flow, but you, you, you certainly could not say there's any deep strategy to it. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit more so. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, really. Okay. For him Uh, to say any, any wide body has anything even relating towards good is something. It's because it's a standard body that you don't you don't have to play on the wide part. That's what makes it so good. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm supposed to say that Alien's the best wide body ever made, right? Maybe I don't know. It was the best, <laughs> it's the best coded wide body. Uh, oh, I think, <laughs> no one's going to yeah. say that shallow. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, but no. G- go on. Uh, no, but uh, you know, the, for me, the the nice thing about. Uh, demo man is not that the rules are so deep but that the ball is constantly going on a different path you know the the layout is is such that you're not just shooting you know up the middle constantly or you're not just shooting you know a scoop constantly or whatever it's the ball swishes this way and that way and the other way and and so you know you're engaging all three flippers all the time and and uh the ball's going on crazy paths and that's just really fun to shoot now, do you feel that that applies to a game like, and I've loaded up the Pinside Top 100 here. So for those listening, since it, it changes, so, you know, doesn't change as dramatically as it used to, but just running yeah. through it real quick so people know of our snapshot in time when we recorded this. It's number one, Attack from Mars, two, Medieval Madness, three, Iron Maiden, four, Twilight Zone, five, Monster Bash, six, Lord of the Rings, seven, Metallica, eight, Dialed In, nine, ACDC, and ten is Adam's Family. So you take a game, a number one game, like Attack from Mars, which is my favorite game from the 90s. It's the best game of all time. Okay. Well, and so what do you think in terms of that? I mean, the, I mean, it is just a fan layout. So yeah. do you, it, it, that, it, what makes I, I it mean, work, Joe, in your, in your opinion? Uh, that's something I constantly, you know, wonder about. It, it's, you know, it's certainly not a deep strategic game. It's fun to shoot. It, it was one of the first of the fan layouts, uh, really smooth shots, good humor. And like you said, there's, you know, obvious stuff to do. You want to hit the, the big, you know, flying saucer in the middle and the 
pretty quickly the 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 force field thing moves down and i think for you know new players just that is kind of cool they weren't expecting the thing to move down into the play field and it's obvious you shoot the the center for a while and eventually you blow up the spaceship and that's awesome um you know, I think for more advanced players who are, who are, uh, you know, into pinball, you know, it, it's a great balance. There is a little bit of strategy, like trying to go for the billion point title annihilation. That's a challenging thing to do when you have to kind of plan it or, or, or stacking, um, Martian attack, you know, multi-ball with total annihilation or, or with regular multi-ball. So I think it's, it really just gets that perfect balance. There is, strategy to be had if you want to maximize your points in a competitive setting but if you don't care about that you can have a great time shooting the shots it'll say funny things lights will flash you'll get points that feel you know in accordance with how well you shot um you know it, it's a it's a beautiful balance of a game and you know it's friendly the ball never one thing i find really interesting about a couple of those games the ball never comes out somewhere you didn't expect you, right. you don't you don't really shoot the ball and then have it come out, you know half the play field away because it went through some subway or something which again for you know for new players I think is is an important thing because although it can be cool and some games really use that in an interesting way it's really confusing and you're just trying to figure out where the ball is and suddenly it's you know three feet away and you don't know why or how or whatever uh, you know attack from Mars uh, you know, I think prior to that, there were more subways in games and you know, Star Trek before that, right? TNG. Um, but you know, the ball basically always comes out from where you shot it. Even if you hit the saucer or the, the lock or whatever, it just pops out from basically right there. So the player is never confused about where it's coming from. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's well balanced, but you know, it's, I, I in the course of designing, uh, or, or thinking about rule design, um, I, I pulled up exactly the list you just read off. And what I find really interesting is in that list, it kind of covers all the bases, right? I mean, you'd ar- I would argue that Attack from Mars and Medieval Madness are, are rules-wise pretty simple games. But then you have Lord of the Rings there in the top ten, which is not very simple. You know, it's, it's a Kiefer game. Um, and, uh, you know, I- Iron Maiden, I-, I like seeing at the top of that list. I think it's a great game. And, and uh, uh, Keith Ellen did a, a great job with the design and, and balance of that one. Um, but you know, it, 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 it covers all the bases in that top 10 of, of, you know, deeper games versus, you know, just, just good shooters. Yeah. My, I guess my general nutshell thing about rules, uh, that appeal to me is the best packages, regardless of depth are, do they incentivize you to shoot the entire play field? Yes. Absolutely. I completely agree with them. And so that's, that's really what I look at because uh, I mean, for example, while overall, I, Tony mentioned wide bodies because I'm, I'm not a wide body fan, but a very popular one for a lot of reasons, I think is Paragon, but Paragon is a lopsided game. Mm-hmm. That's my, my problem with it is that you really are only shooting one side of that play field. If you know what you're doing, you really only want to shoot one side. You can respect it for making you learn how to post pass, but uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not a well integrated uh, concept on the rules side of it, whereas a, a fairly unpopular game, also a fairly not experienced game, was Steve Ritchie's second game, Atari Superman, where you have to mm. actually shoot the entire playfield to spell Superman. There's no other way to do it. You can't spot letters in it, so it at least makes you makes you shoot that layout. It's not the best layout he ever did, but it makes you shoot it. 
Brian. And yeah, I completely agree with you. That That's something I, I focused on both with Alien and now with Oktoberfest. Uh, as far as the rules, I, I, I hate it when there are shots that no one ever wants to shoot, You know, if, if you know the game. Um, and yeah, that's been a, a key focus of mine is uh, that every... Every shot in the game uh, has a valuable purpose to it, and there are different paths to doing good scoring. You, know, it just, you can you don't have to just do the one thing. Good October. So Oktoberfest confirmed makes you shoot the whole playfield. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good. Good. Inside scoop. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. That's what we're here for. All right. Well, we only have one last topic left, Joe. Are you ready to play twenty questions? Oh, sure. I'll give it a whirl. Okay. Well, for those who don't know, and in case you didn't know, it's very straightforward. You can ask me a series of yes or no questions. It will be about a pinball machine. It will be a pinball machine you have played. I stalked you and made sure you played it before. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, and it's closed book, but after the 15th question, so for questions 16 through 20, you may use IPDB, Penside, whatever search tools you want. So it's open book for the last five. So we, we give you every advantage. Well, at least okay. after the first 15 questions. And I'll, I'll keep track. I'll, I'll let you know every five questions wh- where we're at so you can be aware. But anyway, I have the game here and you may start asking your questions to figure out what it is whenever you are set. Okay. Is it a dot matrix game? No. Is it a solid state game? define that because I think you're using it more explicitly than I normally do, which is just anything with computer chips in it. Ah, okay. Is it in the uh, computerized but pre-DMD era? Yes. Okay. Uh, Is it a Williams? Yes. Um, Is it a Lawler game? No. Uh... Is it a Steve Ritchie game? No, that was question five. <laughs> so we're in the solid state era. Um, and you said it was a Williams? I did say that, yes. Let's see here. What are you going to pull out that he knew I played? So I'm, I'm trying to cheat a little bit on what games would you know I've played? Um, I'm very clever, so be careful. <laughs> um, does it have multiple? Yes. Does it have more than two flippers? No. <laughs> Is it from 85 to 89? No. Is it from 80 to 85? Or 80 to 85? No. 1990? No. That's question Gosh. 10. Mm, 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 mm. Um, this is harder than I would thought. <laughs> Good. I've designed it to be tricky. <laughs> yes. Or, or maybe I just suck at 20 questions. Um, it's not a dot matrix game, but it's Williams. I, my, my big mistake here is I should have been taking notes when I asked questions and I did not. Um, well, let's see. I'll, I'll help you out as best I can then on that. Uh, 
let's see. So, you know, you asked if it was Williams and I confirm that you've asked if it was anywhere from, I think, combining all your questions, 1980 to 1990. Those are all no. No. You asked if it was Steve Ritchie. That's a no. You asked if it's got multi-ball. That's a yes. You've asked if it's got more than two flippers. That's a no. Think that catches you up. Is it prior to 1980? No. Okay. Well, so it's after 1990 then we've established, and it's in a limited range of games, you would think. Um, but it's not Lawler, so it's not like Fun House. It's not Earthshaker, but it's after 1990. But prior to 1992, this should be super easy. How many games did Williams make in that time? Uh, <laughs> all of them. They made all the games. <laughs> they made all the games. Good thing I didn't go. I didn't go with Premier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then then the fuse in my head would completely blow up. Um, oh my god, I suck at this. Uh, is it card theme? Is it like gambling themed? No, it is not. It's not gambling themed. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you, you, I'm sure your listeners are thoroughly enjoying the the sound of silence while I, it, I, it gets all edited yeah, out. This it's is going to sound like you are just awesome <laughs> yeah, at popping I off just, the questions. Yeah, this is nothing compared yep. to like me. I'm super <clears throat> yeah. slow when it comes to this. I'd say you could think about other uh, playfield features, other designers, artists that were involved, software. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to home in on the, uh, the, you know, roughly two, uh, two year stretch there. What it has to be if it's not a dot matrix game and it's post 1990. Um, it's not Steve Ritchie and it's not Lawler. It's not going to be mousing around because that's Bally. Well, I do need to clarify that normally we treat Bally Williams all as Williams because it's all the same company. Oh. So does that mean it could be a Bally game as well as a Williams game? It could be. Now, if you want to, if you want to clarify it, you can ask if it's the the Bally subsidiary or the Williams subsidiary. I'm sorry, I just assumed it as your question is uh, WMS. Ah, uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's 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 ambiguous. Um, okay, well then I will ask: Is it a Bally badged game? No. i loved i loved baiting that out of you so yeah yeah it's 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 a good way to to make me uh, use up a question uh so it's a williams badged game um you know i've i've heard this uh this segment on your guy's show before and it it seems easy and then when we come to do it it's like oh no that's actually not easy at all um it's that pressure it, it is you know, it's funny you say it's that pressure. I've actually been on a on a game show before, and I I managed to blow a, a trivial like mathematics question, which you know under any other circumstance would have been a no brainer. But there is something about that pressure of being under the spotlight that uh, uh, mm. makes your brain work differently. I still remember when I took my GRE and I blanked on how to figure the area of a triangle. Right, because oh, well, all I had done in college was statistics. I hadn't thought about geometry in years and uh-huh. like, as soon as i was out of there i was like oh my god i knew i'd gotten it wrong too 
But if anyone asked you at a at a party if uh, you could calculate it, you would just rattle it off, and it would be no problem yeah, sure. at all. That's just how I, I impress everyone at parties. It's with triangles. <laughs> yeah, it says something about the kind of parties you go to. But that's, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. All right, so back to our challenge that's here. Right. So you we have, have done a, thirteen questions. We have a early '90s game, not by Richie, not by Lawler. Two flippers. It is Williams badged, and it was not a gambling theme. We decided, um, and I believe uh, I don't think I asked. Does it have multiple? You did ask that already, oh, and I said I yes, it does. It does have multiple. Yeah. So. Who are the other designers at the time? Is it a Python game? Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, but post-1990. Python game. Uh, <laughs> I'm one away from the IPDB at the time, huh? <laughs> That's right. You just have to do one more, and then yeah. it'll all be open to you, and you're going to be so mad that you yeah, did it before I now. I will. I will. I know. It's, I'm going to look at that, and I'm going to be like, how the heck did I possibly screw that up? I'm so proud of myself right now. <laughs> you you have chosen well, definitely. This is a challenge. I had to re um, I rechose two times because I was going oh, really? through it. It's like, no, I just thought you're too you're too clever. I had to I had to figure out a way. Uh oh no, you, you, you did a you did a great job. Also a, a Python game from the early nineties has multiball, but not dot matrix. Um Yeah, but I'm I kind of want to do this legit because I'm guessing once I pull up IPDP, it'll be obvious and I'll hit myself, but I'd rather, I'd rather do it legit, but it's not whirlwind because it's not a Waller game, even though I believe Python was involved in whirlwind. <laughs> I, I'm really going to smack myself when, when, when the answer comes out. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll be like, Oh, I forgot about it. Yeah. No, I never knew well, about uh, that. Yeah, I played well, it, but uh, I never knew about it. Yeah, no, obviously that's the case because it's not something that's that's leaping to mind right now. Um, is it Bugs Bunny? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. That is question <laughs> 15. So now as of question 16, you may use IPDB. Hmm. Do I want to do that? Yeah, I should probably do that. I won't be here all day. Let's see. <laughs> no one's ever failed. So you, you want to make sure you don't not get it. <laughs> but- <laughs> Oh, is it Bride of Pinbon? Yes, it is Bride of Pinbon. Ah, 16th question. I, yep, right. That I, I'm going to smack my head here because. Did you, uh, did you think it was before was 1990? Playing. Was that the issue or did you just not contemplate it? Um, I, I think it mostly escaped me, but I, I knew it was around 1990. So I figured it was right in that, uh, ball, ballpark. So. Okay. Yeah, Bride of Pinbon. Okay. No, very, very well done. That, that's, uh, that's a. That's a good uh, good one to pick for the the game. And so I'm I, curious now, what were the other couple of choices you you, you thought of and and uh, rejected? Oh well, in terms of why I I chose that particular one, the I saw just so you know where I got it from. I saw you discussing an issue with it on Tilt forums. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, it came up as a as a point of discussion, and in terms of what I considered for other games that I had seen you talk about. I had contemplated doing Whirlwind, and mm-hmm. I also was very tempted to do Roadshow. The problem oh, is nice. you own both of them, or at least did, and I was worried that 
unfortunately, most of the stuff I found that you ever talked about were games you owned. And I w- really wanted a game you didn't own. So yeah. I didn't, yep. I didn't see Bride on your lists. So correct. I maybe nope, that would give me. Right. I thought maybe that'd buy me a question or two more. <laughs> it, it, it did. No, that, that, that was a good tricky one. Yeah. It's, uh, for whatever reason, my, my brain was not, uh, was not getting in sync with that one, even though it should have. So nicely done. So for, for the listeners, uh, the answer was the machine bride of Pinbot. It was a February 1991 release. Williams branded WMS game was designed by Python Angelo and John Trudeau. Art was done by John Yossi and Python Angelo. It has a two ball multi ball in it. It's a two flipper game. A lot of people are familiar with the rotating head for the ball lock. So. It's pretty iconic. It's also, in my view, pretty not fun, given the billion point shot. But you can always get the Uh, conversion kit. You can get the conversion kit, which is cool. The other thing you can actually do is it is possible to set to basically disable the billion point shot. Mm -hmm. If you uh, you have access to the adjustments of the game, someone was insightful to um, have options where you can set the percentages for the big wheel awards. Um, so you can set, uh, the percentage for the billion point shot down to, I think, I don't think you can go to zero, but you can set it to 1% and then you can set its timer oh, yes. to like one okay. second, uh, and effectively disable it, which, you know, can be a little bit annoying if it actually happens to give that, you know, award cause you get one second and times out and you never have a chance at it. But other than that, it does uh, do quite a bit to balance out the, uh, the scoring of the game. We, we, we use it in one of our leagues and it's actually a pretty effective game for them. Oh. Okay, but, cool. I, but, I mean, so, yeah, I do remember hearing about that. Yeah, it's it's still not a great game in the sense you're kind of just doing the one thing all the time, you know, trying to get into the multi-ball, but it's usable. And as an interesting side note, for a lot of people think it's a System 11. It is not. It is a WPC game, just like Funhouse is a WPC mm-hmm. game. I think a lot of people see that it's alphanumeric and they think it's still System 11, but it is more advanced than that. So. Yeah. Well... That was the show. So, Joe, we want to thank you for coming on. We thank really you so much. It. It's, yeah, it's been a ton of fun talking with you guys. We have a link to American Pinball in the show notes. So, people, if you want to know more about American Pinball and the pinball machines that they're manufacturing, go ahead and check them out. As a reminder, you can always reach out to us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or on facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter as eclectic underscore gamers. And that is where we are on Twitch also, which we've been spending a lot more time lately. That's right. So until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. And that's Joe. I'm Joe. Play more pinball, everyone.